the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses read. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, this show, if you haven't heard it before, listen, welcome. The show's in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about politics, history, religion, and today we're going to be, you know, one of our favorite guests is going to come back, Father Paul from the Middle East. Father Paul is a Capuchin friar who's a medical doctor who runs a medical mission in Lebanon, and his main mission was destroyed by the explosion, you know, in August of this year. Now, with me today, we don't have an attorney from our office, but I do have my wife, Beth. Hey, everybody. And, of course, behind the controls, my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Beth, what's our email question of the week? Um, My mother recently went from the hospital to the nursing home for long-term care. She does not have a power of attorney, and we do not have guardianship over her. The nursing home wants one of her children to become her guardian because she won't sign the admission papers. None of us wants that responsibility. I'm on both of her bank accounts and plan on paying her bills until the money runs out, but we don't want to go through the whole guardianship process. She didn't want any of us to have to make these decisions. My question is, do we have to establish a guardianship? Well, here's one thing I would say right away. First, try very, very hard to get mom to sign a PAV attorney to one or a combination of her children. A PAV attorney, she's still the boss. She can fire the PAV attorney. She can change it among her different children. Or she can even use somebody from outside the family, although we recommend family first. If the nursing home gets annoyed and they start a guardianship proceeding, it's conservatively going to cost mom twenty grand. It's money just going to be thrown out the window. And once mom has a guardian appointed for if the nursing home moves to appoint an independent guardian and they do that, mom loses virtually all control of her life. With a PAV attorney, she still keeps control of her life. And again, she can fire her PAV attorney. She can still make the decisions. If the court appoints an independent guardian, 
Mom has lost all control. All her money is going to go to the nursing home. And, and here are the things, too. We can still save some of mom's money. I mean, I don't know how much she has in accounts, but ordinarily we can save at least half of the money she has if we put a proper plan together. Um, you know, we can put it in a trust or maybe one of it, depending on the size of the money, and maybe somebody holds it, you know, on the side. And, and it's important to save money because, you know, let's say all of mom's money goes to a nursing home. You say, well, I don't care. It's used for mom's benefit. That's fine. Okay. If you have that attitude, fine. But here's the thing. We can keep some money on the side for mom. So if she needs some extras later, once you're on Medicaid right now in New York, the limit, and that was changed the first of the year, is $15,900. That's all you can have, $15,900. If nothing else, let's pay prepay a funeral. But there are other things we can do. We can buy a car. We can make small gifts. We can roughly give away half of mom's assets which, again, the children can hold for mom. So if mom needs an extra, someday, let's say she goes to a hospital, you want to pay for private duty nursing. You want you want to just buy her some meals, things like that. And you say, well, well we can use her. You know, we, we can do that for mom. But listen, why not save some of the money if we can? And we can save the money, you know, and we may get away without paying a guardianship in this case as long as the bills are paid. But if the nursing home gets anxious, they're not going to get paid. They can get paid if there's a guardianship. And, you know, you want to stay on the good side of the nursing home. That's where mom's probably going to live for the rest of her life. And try to talk mom into signing a power of attorney. She loses very little with a power of attorney. She can fire a power of attorney. She's not giving up control. A guardianship, she's giving up full control to a guardian. Everything that you want to do, even if the family, if the guardian is a member of the family, has to be approved by the court. That's tedious, it's time-consuming, and of course, in today's world, going through the court takes a lot of time and money. So let's avoid that, see if we can talk mom into signing a power of attorney. Then after we sign the power of attorney, see what we can give away legally. Legally, again, everything gets reported to Medicaid, and save as much as we can for mom and the family. You know, there's no sense just throwing money away, you know, on nursing home bills. If we can save part of it, let's try to save part of it. And I'm talking about legally, not hiding money, not putting money under the table. I'm talking about the legal avenues that are open to us to save money in case somebody's, you know, going to a nursing home. Now, again, if you have any questions where you, you want to email us the question, Michael, where do you email us the question to? If you want to email us a question, um, maybe to be answered by us online or perhaps to be read on air, here on, on the Ask Lawyer Show, you can email us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors, Connors spelled, of course, C-O-N-N-O-R-S, at gmail.com. Okay, now a lot of people ask me about seminars, and obviously we're not going to be se- doing seminars in the next few months, but you can catch us on YouTube, correct? You can catch our seminar on YouTube. Absolutely. Um, we've got a nice full-length seminar. If you just go to YouTube.com and search Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar, Dad will be there to break down estate planning for you. Um, if you if you just want to know more, it might be very useful to you. If you're thinking about coming in for a consultation, it might cover all the dimensions that you should probably know about in any event. Uh, yeah, just go to YouTube.com once again and enter in the search bar, Connors and Sullivan video seminar that's connors and sullivan video seminar it shouldn't be it should be very easy to find right and again don't be afraid to call for consultation we are open for business if you want to call to schedule an appointment with us you can call us at 718-238-6500 718-238-6500 we have five offices through the city we have two offices in queens 
Middle Village and Bayside. We have an office in Midtown Manhattan. We have an office in Staten Island on Highland Boulevard. And our main office is in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. That's our headquarters. We're at 74th Street and 5th Avenue in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Schedule an appointment. We do not charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free. Everything we do as far as estate planning and elder law is done on a flat fee basis. So come in. We'll talk it over. We'll give you a plan, hopefully, that fits your goals, your expectations, and your financial budgeting. And you go from there. There, You know, you're not... You're not obligated to go forward, but, you know, as I keep telling people when we start doing this pl- these plans, the worst thing that can happen, and I've seen it again and again and again, people don't do something. If nothing else, start with a will and a power of attorney. If you don't trust somebody enough with the power of attorney, you can do what's called a springing power of attorney. And a springing power of attorney means that it takes effect after a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, whatever, certifies that you're not able to handle your affairs in a competent manner. Because I'll tell you something, you would rather choose the person to make decisions on your behalf if you can't speak for yourself. I mean, I think that goes without saying. Who would you rather do? You pick the person, you put restrictions on the power of attorney if you want, but you'd rather pick the person than have the court pick a person for you. And once once a guardianship is, is formed or started, you have a very tough time getting out of it. In fact, you can't really get out of it. So you make the decisions. You choose the person that you want to be in charge in case something happens to you. While you're alive, that's a power of attorney. A will takes effect after you're gone. The power of attorney takes effect while you're alive. And the trust can work after you're gone and while you're alive. And just one quick housekeeping note for those that are looking at um, setting up an appointment. If you're someone who's not comfortable coming in just yet with everything going on regarding COVID and everything, just want to make sure you're aware that we also do Zoom meetings. We do appointments via Zoom. So just in case you were wondering, yes, that is an option for you. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break. and We're going to hear from Kevin McCullough and then Father Paul. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. 
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week, we promise you, you're going to get an answer to a real question sent by a real listener about a real issue as it relates to uh, end-of-life care, uh, estate law, elder care, etc. And Mike Connors is here to answer that question. This week's question comes from Kate. Mr. Connors, I have three kids, but only one of them actually helps me with my expenses. The pandemic has been hard on me, so my son has been helping me with carrying the costs of my home. I want to make sure he gets the home when I pass and the other two do not fight my decision. Should I put his name on the deed now so that he can own half of the home while I am alive and the other two kids have no chance to fight it? Kate, Mike Connors, what's the uh, what's the answer? Well, the short answer is no. I mean, it's usually not a good idea to put your son's name on your deed. Now, if he lives in the house, I might make an exception because there might be some tax advantages. You know, if he's paying the real estate taxes and so forth, he could take it off. But the problem, you put your son's name on the deed, something happens to him. And, and, you know, this happens all the time. Something happens to your son. All of a sudden, you're in partnership with your wife, with his wife. And that may not be crazy. And if even if he's divorced, he may have minor kids. He passes away. Those minor kids may own part of the house. And you can't change your mind. You do a trust agreement. You keep control. The house will pass to your son if that's what you want, if you don't change your mind. But And it's better for your son tax-wise, especially if he doesn't live in the house. All right. I think that's a pretty uh, simple answer, Kate. I hope it's helpful. Uh, friends, if you've got questions about similar uh, issues in your situation, 718-238-6500 is the number to reach Mike Connors at, 718-238-6500. You can also send him questions at askmikeconnors at gmail.com, and he will answer them on air at uh, 8 a.m. on uh, Saturday mornings on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission, WMCA, and Sunday mornings starting at 11 o'clock on AM AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens Will my to assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors & Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. We're very pleased to have on an old friend of the show, Father Paul, and he's back from the Middle East. Welcome back to the United States, Father. Thank you so much, Mr. Connors. Thank you, Michael, and, and to all our listeners. It's good to be back, at least for a moment. And yes, Happy New Year to everyone who's listening to us. Okay, now, you know, listen, people ask me all the time, how are you doing? What's going on? Uh, I know things are not the best, but can you just tell the, the the folks out there what's happened over there and how are you doing right now? 
So absolutely, yes. So, so as you know, my friends, what happened um, in August was was kind of something that we would never even, you know, uh, think about the, the explosion, the the situation after, and what we have to deal with now. So, in my mindset, even as even as Capuchin Friar and, and within the Franciscan movement, I, I decided to go day by day. Uh, with the whole situation in Lebanon that we have, and 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 of course COVID, which is everywhere. But I think the 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 bomb, the explosion, and the whole situation with the government resigning and everything. So we can just imagine that uh, I was like all over the place with, with trying to collect certain things and connect dots. So I think. Uh, Let's see how it goes. It doesn't look well, but uh, but as I mentioned before, I go day by day, and I and I still keep my hope alive. And I'm sure that we will we will be okay one day. It's, it's going to take maybe more time, but I I, I think there's uh, the, the the light is still there. It's just we have to keep it uh, keep it on. Now, for our listeners' benefit, you know, when did the explosion happen, and can you describe it briefly? So. It happened during the day, actually, and uh, and the thing is that it was, it was at the first minute I thought, like first few seconds, I thought it's it's another car bomb. You know, sometimes we have those car bombs just mm-hmm. to make people uh, stress and 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 fear oriented. So uh, and and but you know the the, the first sound was okay, but what happened just after when actually. All our windows and doors went went out, and and suddenly, uh, I was for for some time I was half deaf because I could I, I wasn't sure what what just happened, and 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 I when I woke up, I, I mean someone just helped me to 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 collect myself, and I was like, what just happened? And and I couldn't hear anyone because I couldn't just hear it. My my ears were were just damage for, for, for a moment so but I, when I looked around and I, and I understood it, it's something bigger than, than just a car bomb and and it was uh, and nothing was predicted nothing was there were no political tension besides regular stuff so I was like what just happened so um, when I when I kind of realized what's going on I just saw the entire neighborhood and and, and after half of the city uh, completely wiped out, um, especially the Christian area, because it happened in the Christian zone. So that's how I realized that 20 years of my walk just just went gone. And, and that was my, my second thought. And we've lost a lot of people, uh, medical personnel as well, people that I knew for years, that I trained for many years. And so that was... That was uh, uh, that was a very a personal hit that I, I got as well. Um, so to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of trying to, to, I don't know, understand it at some point because um, because nothing was was uh, expected, nothing at at all, and and we just and and now and after everyone was like saying, oh, it's 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 uh, it's not. We don't even know who did it. After we we knew who did it, what happened. So August the fourth will be the day of, of we've lost we've lost a lot of people, but also twenty years of, of the of the clinic, of the medical center, of of everything we've been doing for twenty years is just 
was gone. So that's basically what I can say about August the 4th. Now, like in my mind. Mm-hmm. if you can help our listeners, because, you know, obviously some of them know exactly who you are, but some of them may have been mm-hmm. maybe hearing your voice for the first time. So, one, you're a Catholic priest in the, in the Capuchin order, and you're a medical doctor. And what, what was your Correct. mission? So, so my mission from the very first day was actually to help a Christian community, uh, because we realized in 2001 and uh, 2000, uh, 2001, uh, spring uh, and summertime, we just realized that the Christian community has no uh, medical support the way they should have, that they shouldn't even be paying for. Uh, so, so I decided that we need a clinic, we need a hospital, we need a medical center so I can even go and grab uh, all kinds of medications that we need or looking for and go to, uh, to those villages up to the north or closer to the Syrian border. And that was way before uh, war in Syria. So, so imagine what has happened after. So we just realized we need to uh, medically, from the humanitarian perspective, we need to help the Christian communities. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're Maronites or the Orthodox or, 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 or Catholic or Orthodox. They're all Christians. We're all Christians. So that was the main purpose, medically to help people. Because for a spiritual reason, it's, it's, it's always possible to do this day by day. But there is a moment... Christians were absolutely abandoned with with the medical and health support uh, from their own government in Lebanon. So that's why we stepped in 20 years ago and we decided, let's go for it. Let's do a medical center and and the medical equipment. Let's go for medications that we can look for in Europe or in the United States. And the main reason was Christians would never pay for that service that we provide in Beirut or uh, in general in Lebanon. So that was the idea. Mm -hmm. Now let's let's just talk a little bit about history and politics. You know we have a new president right now, just inaugurated. Can we go back to the Obama yes. administration? Now, there, in the Obama administration, there was an Arab Spring, and can you tell us how the Arab Spring uh, affected the people you know in the Middle East? Oh, it's it's very yes. That's that's a very good question, and. Um, so the answer is that, um, and here I'm gonna, I'm gonna use, uh, uh, I'm gonna use that expression that actually the Arab Spring brought uh, uh, winter to to Christians. The the way they they uh, started to be persecuted, and uh, the the ignorance of many people from the West was that in the Middle East you only have uh, Muslims, and people completely forgot that we had the Christianity from 2,000 years, because Jesus Christ created the whole sense of community 2,000 years ago. So Christians were, were there. So uh, a dominant presence of, of the Muslim communities after uh, Arab Spring actually opened the door to, to persecute uh, Christian minorities for a very simple reason, letting them know that they are not welcomed. So when I say that the Arab Spring actually created a winter time for Christians because there were there are more persecutions. If you look at in Egypt, for example, large numbers of Coptic Christians have moved abroad in a, in a response to to a, such a tide of of discrimination and outright oppression. Uh, how it's possible that after Arab Spring, uh, almost you know four million Christians around the, the whole Middle East were were uh, struggling with the persecution with the uh, job market without uh, you know without any financial support. Uh, how is possible that uh, 
uh, the new uh, Morsi's uh, constitution in Egypt uh, was actually to to point out that Christians are a second class citizens from now from now on. Uh, how about how it's possible that Arabs actually uh, made Iraqi Christians miserable? Uh, individual tragedies such as you know storming the, the famous Baghdad Syrian Catholic Cathedral a few years ago. Uh, 50 people were, were massacred. Uh, they, they say that in, in just in, in Iraq, you have almost uh, half million remains of, of Christians, in, uh, you know, persecuted and killed and massacred. How is it possible that the Arab Spring actually uh, opened the door to to uh, to some radicals to to kill Christians on a daily basis, like they, they killed that uh, priest in the centralized Greek Orthodox Church in the middle of the town? Uh, near Damascus, he was he was about to celebrate the mass, and he 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 was killed, and the local Christian dentist was killed as well. Um, Arab Spring actually uh, opened the door of all those prisons where radicals were were in jail, and and now from from that day they felt like now we can do whatever they want, and no one was was facing any you know any uh, responsibility for 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 that. So I, I think the the honor of the so-called honor of the uh, of the Arab Spring was actually to eliminate Christians, and that's what they do till now. That Christians are uh, the most targeted group of people, uh, comparing to other faiths, and 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 still we we debate who is more persecuted. But if you go through some numbers, you actually understand that the persecution is actually uh, it's about Christianity not uh, about different uh, religious communities. And a massive source of, of, of a social capital in many Middle Eastern countries were Christians, because they were educated, because they were trying to, to not steal, but work hard. But if, you, if, you, if on your ID it, it's written that you're Christian, you're not going to get a job, unless you're going you're gonna to convert to a different uh, faith which is not a scenario for, for many Christians. If, if they kept Christianity for 2,000 years, what would be the reason to, to suddenly become a, a Muslim or, or, I don't know, any, any other religion? So Arab Spring was a was disaster for, uh, for Christian community, and, and, and the, te- the, the, the response was actually a huge violence that we also, we've seen in France, we've seen in Germany, uh, suddenly, you know, all our Christian traditions, they have to be postponed or put on hold because people were afraid of, of the reaction of, of different communities, of different religious communities. So that fear-oriented uh, uh, time started when uh, when Arab Spring uh, evolved. And, you know, it, the, the irony is that everyone was, was like thinking it was all about regimes to end up regimes or dictatorships. But at the end of the day, the final point was actually it 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 it, it hit uh, Christian communities, not with it, not uh, political leaders or or uh, dictators. So that's that's the saddest part of of that. Let me ask you something, and I I know it may sound like a stupid question to you, but did the UN help? Did the Vatican help? <sighs> okay. So I'll be very honest with you. Let's start with the UN. Um, they do panels, they do discussions, but the problem is what they do. They talk about religious persecution without naming Christians. So I want you to understand something. 
people may think it's, it's, it's like a global religious persecution. But if you go through statistics, the UN should mention that we're talking about Christian persecution. And I remember uh, that um, uh, um, this was a very interesting panel, I, I think, uh, I think uh, in 2019 or 18, where, where um, all those secretaries of foreign affairs were, were collecting their data. And they, they, they actually publicly um, stated uh, in, uh, to the UN that every single day we have at least 250 Christians being killed in 2018 or 2019. And those numbers are going higher and higher. Uh, that the, the next Holocaust will be, will be of Christians. That in global politics, the fact that Christians are being persecuted is being ignored. And, and uh, I think there's a Christianophobia that actually uh, looks like it's so acceptable form of discrimination and no one is saying anything. That we have uh, another religious uh, leaders Speaking enthusiastically about the plight of their of, of, of their mistreated people, but Christians Christians seems to be shy about calling attention to the violence against Christians, and this is something that the UN is, is only in general stating the religious persecution, but they never named who exactly is persecuted. So foreign affairs ministers and secretaries they they were that was the group of people saying we have to name it. It's like you know when you when you are in, in you know when you travel in New York subway it says if you see something say something this is what happened at the UN not the UN but foreign uh, uh, diplomats they were asking the UN to recognize that there's a Christian persecution so so UN should do a little bit more about that not just you know like a, a very vague and general idea let's talk about religious persecutions because the the biggest group of people being persecuted are Christians from the global perspective. Vatican, um, this is what I have to tell you. Uh, as you know already, they, they, um, the Vatican decided to, to, uh, to keep that agreement with the Chinese government. What's the cause of that agreement? Persecuting of Christians in China, Christians that were, they were uh, hiding and they were persecuted. Uh, and now uh, what's happening that uh, the Holy See decided to go with the diplomatic relations with China uh, because it was all uh, on hold since, I think, 1951. And uh, so when when the Vatican decided to 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 be to make a deal with the Chinese government, the first thing was that they had to uh, they have to show uh, numbers about I mean Christian in in China who were actually uh, hiding for so long. So. Religious freedom, uh, that was like a violation uh, to, from, from my end. It was a violation of, 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 uh, of, that, uh, of that idea of, of keeping uh, a religious freedom uh, alive. And China is the, the worst violators, uh, violator of, of religious freedom. So if we talk about religious persecution, it's going to be interesting to hear that let's, let's help uh, persecuted uh, Middle Eastern Christians but what we're going to do with Christians in China persecuted as well because of that deal. So to answer your question, I think the, the, the situation here is very convoluted, very vague from my understanding how Vatican is, is protecting Christians because it look, look, looks like the deal was politicized and the struggle 
the struggle, uh, the Christian struggle to survive is also politicized and weaponized against them. So this is how I see it. Let me ask you something. Is right now radical extremist violent groups, ISIS for instance, what, what's the status? Where, where's their status right now? What's the status of ISIS of, and other uh, ISIS slash Daesh? Uh, well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, do you remember when they? I think President Obama said, "Oh, I know." I know who said that? No more, da- no more ISIS, no right. more Daesh. Junior oh, Varsity, uh, JV, I, I think he said. Oh, okay. So, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? This no, this is this is not how it, how it works." Just because you eliminated one in one village a group of, of radicals doesn't mean that they will not be somewhere else. And also what, what you say in Africa with Boko Haram, which is related to ISIS as well, those radicals are everywhere. So the idea to say they're gone, no, it's, it's a pure lie. Uh, the thing is that um, they are financially perfectly well. Why? Because they're using those natural sources. They 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 use all a bunch of you know black market uh, kind of uh, um, entities to to make money. Uh, are they gone now? Will they keep uh, persecuted Christians? Yes. Will they? Will they uh, in Europe? What's going on now? Uh, especially in Germany, they just, Germany just woke up. It's like wow, we have two million people. We don't know who they are, but now we know who they are. Because everything will happen in Germany or in France, they've never hide. Uh, they've never said those those radicals that you know we don't want you to know who we are. They they always said this is who we are. This is what we want, and we would like to eliminate you from from this area. So uh, I'm I'm sure you know you remember that uh, French teacher who was beheaded uh, a few months ago in France. It was all over the news just because she was criticizing the lack of 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 the lack of understanding within the Muslim religious communities. So at school he was a teacher. So one of the from one of uh, one parent one parent just showed up in front of the school and just killed the teacher. And suddenly Europe is like waking up. Well, wow, what, what just happened? You know this barbaric uh, situation. N- no one should say that that you know Daesh or ISIS they're all God. No. They're still uh, around. They're still having their own plans. They have they have their own strategies, uh, and uh, sadly, financially, they're doing perfectly well. Because every time you put some some gas to, into a car, you know there's a percentage of that money that goes somewhere else, and we don't know exactly how, but that's how they you know they keep their their finances uh, in in a good shape. So yes, they are still around, and they will be around. How do you how do you keep going? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I I still believe in hope. I'll tell you why. Um, the very I remember the very first month when Donald Trump became the president of the United States, and I'm talking about uh, statistics from the U.S. State Department Refugee Processing Center. Suddenly, in February and March. Christians have made up more than half of U.S. refugee arrivals since uh, since uh, February and March. Before, very few Christian families got visas. Very few Christians got access to 
a refugee uh, processing center in the U.S. So what happened is just to show that we have to take care of Christians because these are our cousins, family members, our roots. I'm not saying that Christians only. I said at that time, the particular time, the State Department acknowledged that they they didn't do the job uh, exactly they should, which means at least keep a, a, a social strata of the percentage in, in the right way. So um, what happened uh, last year was to, to actually to help us believe that at least someone is taking care of, of Christians. So now, since you have a new administration, I'm thinking, where are we going with, with Christians again? And it looks like you have few new laws that actually are against Christianity in, in, in the U.S. So that's my concern. How do I keep up with, you know, to keep my hope alive? As I mentioned before, I, do, I go day by day. I believe that if I can do something today, uh, Saturday, great. If not, I can do this tomorrow, on Monday. And whoever is listening to us, if you, if you believe that you have to do miracles uh, for the entire week, I'm going to tell you no and call your primary physician because you need help. If you can do one thing at at a time, it's great. If you can do if you can be a nice person five minutes per day, it's already great. It's better <laughs> than not. So that's how I keep day by day. And as you as you know, as I mentioned before to you uh, before the interview, I wish my mindset could be like more um joyful or more uh, more enthusiastic but at some point maybe i need that little bit of dark moment that i'm i'm, I'm having now uh, because of what, what happened in, in in lebanon but i believe that there is a sense of the darkness because the darkness is not uh, the, the definition of the darkness it's not just a lack of light is the belief that light will never come back that's what I try to 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 keep in my mind. That this darkness, it's about uh, lack of light for a moment, not about the light will never come back. So you know, I I wish you know to everyone to to have a little bit of of that hard moment, so we can after appreciate what we have in our daily life. But I try to keep my hope alive again. So let's see how it goes. Now, I just want to mention to the audience, if anybody out there wants to support, you know, Father Paul's mission in the Middle East, you can give us a call at Connors and Sullivan at 718-238-6500, and we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how to do it. And, you know, Father, you know, when do you expect to go back to the Middle East? Oh, that's a good question. As you know, um, with the COVID and everything, so I have to follow up with all those CDC guidelines and everything. So um, I'm trying to organize everything, hopefully by the end of May, because I need to I need to prepare medications, medical equipment from here. I have to buy all what we need, uh, all basics that we need for, for, uh, uh, for Christian communities in, in Lebanon. So I have to buy all that medical equipment here. It's going to take some time, so I, I, I think I'll be here at least till the end of May, uh, you know, working on, on, on the, the, you know, the help to, to bring with me. What kind of equipment do you need? Stethoscopes. Uh, I need the, the respirators. We need, uh, we need, again, for newly born uh, kids, we need uh, 
the whole equipment to keep their their uh, their lungs operating the way it should be. So to be honest with you, vitamins we need. Uh, yeah, all all things that we've lost um, August the fourth. So my my kind of my mindset is to to I have my list and I just go slowly with the list. Whatever I can get, I'm happy about it. It's better to have a little bit of of something than absolutely nothing. So I'm I'm sure by the end of May that that would be like a reasonable for me time to to go back. And what are you going to go back to exactly? What what will you be going back to in Lebanon? You mean uh, the, the day? No, no. I'm talking about what what kind of facility? Where where are you going to live? Where's your mission going to be? Oh, so since there's nothing left in in the city on our from our uh, neighborhood, uh, so we moved outside of Beirut up to north. We are between Beirut and Tripoli. Um, so we we find a place that we we've been renovating a little bit, putting some paintings. Uh, so for a time being, uh, I would love to re repair and rebuild uh, that medical center in Beirut, but it's gonna take more time more time, uh, I know that already, because of COVID, because of government restrictions, uh, because of, of sources that I don't have uh, so far, I mean financial sources. So, so far I'm between Beirut and Tripoli, uh, halfway, and and we call that region Zalka, Z-A-L-K-A, and, and we're just trying to go day by day. Uh, this is the fifth time we are actually relocating, but before it was because of the war not because of the explosion. So that's our reality. What can I say? Do you have a final message for the audience? What can you tell us? What blessing can you give us? Listen, we've got our problems here, too. Not as great. You know, when we talk to you, you you realize how fortunate we are here in the United States. Yeah, so this is, my message is very simple. Every time you wake up, uh, just try try to be a positive person. Negativity is already surrounding us from many different angles, from many different sides. But if you wake up in the morning and you can still see, you can still move your hands, your legs, if you can still do something for a moment for yourself or for your family members, just celebrate it. Because spreading love, it's yes, it's harder, it's more difficult than spreading uh, COVID or and other viruses. But I truly believe that uh, when you wake up, there's a reason why. Uh, so, so whoever's listening to us, please do not give up on yourself and don't be harsh on yourself. Be, uh, forgiving, uh, especially about your, your life, because many times you, you're very, uh, you easily forgive others, but you still, you know, treat yourself badly because you did something 25 years ago. It's already forgiven. So give yourself a break and always remember that the darkness, it's not about, uh, the darkness is only about um, a moment in your life when you maybe you need that dark moment to realize what you're missing, what's important. But darkness is never is never forever. So so don't be afraid of it and and just keep yourself you know in a good uh, mental shape. COVID will be around uh, as far as I know, but uh, COVID is not defining you. What 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 makes you a, a, a decent human being is 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 the way you smile, is the way you talk to to your family members, the way you act. So so keep it that way, and 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 one day you know we will be we will be fine. One day we will be fine. Well, let's pray for that. 
Absolutely, yes, absolutely. And Happy New Year to all of you guys. All right, Father Paul, we'll see you soon. And, you know, again, if anybody has any information, give us a call at our office. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, we we got to, I, I know it's uh, disheartening or whatever, we got to figure out a way to raise some money for you guys over there in the Middle East. We'll, we'll try, we'll yeah. try. Whatever happens, happens, but we'll, we'll keep our hope alive thanks to, to you guys. So, And I always appreciate Connors and Sullivan for helping us for so long and and because th- this is, this was the best way also to keep our uh, Christians uh, still believing that, you know, that Western Christians never f- forgot about Christians in the Middle East. So I'm really grateful for that to Connors and Sullivan, to you, Mr. Connors, Beth, and Michael, and all our friends uh, that I know from Beirut. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Have a blessed evening. Okay. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. You know, we were talking to Father Paul about maybe we're going to do a Mass this spring. He's going back to Lebanon. He's going back to the Middle East in in May. But sometime in in spring and April, close to Easter maybe, we're going to try to do a uh, Mass at Our Lady of Angels on 74th Street and 4th Avenue in Brooklyn. And, you know, then maybe we'll have some kind of mini fundraiser. I mean, we've got to see what kind of restrictions are in place then. Uh, and, and who knows, you know, I never thought we would be in this position where a year later we're still wearing masks and we're still going through all these restrictions in the restaurants. God bless them. You know, God bless the restaurant owners for what they're going through. I hope, you know, God can get them through what's this, this difficult time period. It's difficult for all of us, but I really do feel sorry for, for restaurant owners. I really do feel sorry for, uh, landlords right now because some landlords their tenants are not paying the rent they still got to pay the mortgage the real estate taxes went up and i think all of those business people they need our prayers and of course as does father paul need our prayers he's devastated he's you know I, those of you have heard him before you know it's his voice is a little bit slower he's a little bit down everything he worked for was blown up in that explosion in in beirut lebanon in you know in August. Cause he's on, he's on the front line and we, we may not be able to get over there and help him, but we can pray and we can dig up money for the missions. So, um, goodness, he's usually the one that's, Oh, don't worry. You know, there be, be courageous. We need to, we need to be there for him right now. He has been working so hard. He couldn't come back over here when he was supposed to because they were scrambling over there. Please do not underestimate the value of prayer. And if you have a little extra money to help them, the Christians in the Middle East, um, please do. And if you haven't heard Father Paul preach, he, he is an interesting preacher. Um, so hopefully we'll have a you know a mass sometime. Usually we've been doing them on Fridays, a Friday afternoon in the spring. We want to wait for the weather to get a little better, and hopefully the COVID restrictions loosen up a little bit so that we can come back to our office, which is a block from the church, 
and it's a beautiful church if you haven't been there. And and you know, uh, you know, it's hard. We missed it a little bit, but my family's been going to this church at Our Lady of Angels for 103 years now. Coming up in April, it'll be 103rd anniversary that my family's been going to this church at Our Lady of Angels. And Father Paul likes it. It's a big church. We can space out. You know, practice distancing, safe distancing, or whatever. Because it is a huge church, and a, a couple of hundred people in there would be nothing. Maybe we could figure out some way to record it for the radio, um, because he 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 makes us feel better. We makes us feel better. For this week, we're going to close the show. Um, you know, on that note, we're going to close the show a little bit differently. We're going to close it with Ave Maria as a prayer for Father Paul and all the people that he was helping with his mission. That you know, they now need to find a new place. Um, so pray for his plot, flock, pray for the people that worked with him over there, and pray for him.
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.